I think connection is such an important thing right now. And every meeting we do, every interview, every one-on-one with reps, every phone call, we are connecting and we are modeling how to connect and we are teaching how to connect, how to build a community, how to build others. Sometimes you don't realize when you're investing in people and relationships and just making great connections, you don't realize that those will pay you back later. And when you may need something, we built it. We have this great framework, great family, and great structure. And then we went through some challenges and being able to lean on some of those people was huge. When you invest in people, those people will return the favor. Most people can think of someone in their lives who have helped shape their professional or personal growth. Jeremy Bell is the type of person who has been known to influence people in both aspects of their lives. It's been said that true leaders don't create followers, they create more leaders. Jeremy is a firm believer in that notion. He has the ability to attract and develop numerous others in having successful lives and careers. He's a great connector because he's passionate about it. He is one of the most well-liked and respected leaders on the Cutco Vector team. But Jeremy's greatest achievement has and will always be his family. He's a family man with a business, not the other way around. I'm Jeremy's wife, Mai, and as his wife, I can tell you that our family has had its ups and downs, successes and failures, but through it all, Jeremy has been our anchor. He doesn't just grow and develop others. He continually works on himself, and in the process, he motivates us as well. He's always initiating family time, not just with myself and our children, but also with our extended family. I can tell you our house is always full and he is constantly reminding us the importance and priorities of life. He's an amazing human and a great example in how a person can build and maintain strong relationships. I'm proud to be able to introduce to you my husband, Jeremy Bell. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm very excited about today's guest. It is Jeremy Bell, the Oregon Division Manager for Cutco and Vector. And I've had a chance to work closely with Jeremy for a lot of years. We've known each other all the way back since 2000 when Jeremy started in the business. And I've really been looking forward to being able to feature Jeremy on the podcast. And so excited about the conversation today. Uh, Jeremy's been in the Petco Vector business now for 20 years. When he was very young, went out to Logan, Utah to go run a branch all the way from Oregon out to Utah. 
And in 2003, he became a district manager with the company. He was originally in Salem, Oregon, where he built one of the top district teams year in and year out in the company. Jeremy became one of the all-time top developers of talent as a district manager in the history of Cutco and Vector. He and his wife, Mai, have been married since 2007. They have two children, Miley and Braden. Miley was born shortly after they got married in 2007. Braden was born in 2009. This was during the heyday of Jeremy's time as a district manager. So he built his organization while managing having two children and balancing that. He became a division manager in 2012, moved to Sacramento for a year, and then had a chance to go back to Oregon to take over the Oregon division in 2013, where he has been since then. He's responsible for over $36 million of Cutco sales, of course, a member of the company Hall of Fame. Jeremy, as I said, been looking forward to this one for a long time. Thanks for making time for the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, let's uh, start by hearing how you got started with uh, Cutco and Vector. A uh, pretty typical story. I was uh, finishing up high school and got a letter in the mail. And uh, it sounded a lot cooler than the uh, steel processing plant I've been working at the last two summers. I was kind of planning on just making it a third summer there. And when this letter came, it sounded way cooler. At the steel plant, we had to get up early and it was on the other side of town and kind of some dirty work. And I'd come back just tired and, and dirty at the end of the day. And so I saw this letter. I thought, I got to check this out and, and jumped on it, went right away, called my best friend, said, hey, check this out. Let's go in together. And we got the job, went through training together and uh, worked that whole first uh, first summer together, competing back and forth, encouraging each other, carpooling the team meetings. It, uh, it was good. It was, it was who, fun. Who was your original manager? Uh, Isaac Tolpin. Isaac Tolpin. Yeah. So it was right there in Isaac's office. Yeah, actually, uh, I, I rolled in and, and Isaac was the interviewer and, uh, and my trainer right away. And uh, so I got to kind of see Isaac in, in the beginning in his first full year as a district manager. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, amazing for anybody who's a little newer in the Cutco business or maybe not familiar with Isaac, one of the all-time legendary managers in the history of the company, a top division manager. In fact, to this day, still holds the uh, greatest division performance uh, in the history of the company. So you had a chance to be able to work directly with Isaac. That's awesome. I'll ask you a little bit more about him as we go along for sure. Tell us a little bit about some of the uh, experiences you had in the early days that uh, were transformational for you. I mean, I think doing the job in general was pretty transformational from, uh, you know, working at a steel plant with earplugs in and a hard hat on, not talking to people and being a busboy for about a month. Those are kind of the previous jobs. So just getting out there and, and talking to people and working on those skills was a big transformation and starting to see the professional version of myself come out. I think about getting into the Leadership Academy and uh, getting to learn from Mark Lovis and, and kind of getting in that that inner circle with Mark in the Leadership Academy was a really cool thing. I, I grew up playing sports. So, you know, throughout my life, it, you know, winning was was normal and thinking about winning and finding ways to win was normal. And uh, but working on leadership and uh, how to become a better person in business and in life, those were newer concepts to me, like, a, like trying to be a better person, trying mm -hmm. to be inclusive of others, which was really something I got at Vector more than anything else, other experience in my life, that, that idea of being inclusive. You know, from the first time I walked into a Vector office, the assistant manager, Jason Skilperort, you know, greeting me with a smile and welcoming me in 
like I was meant to be there as opposed to some other businesses you'd interacted with or parties, you know, at that age I'd gone to, or just other events, just that in- inclusive nature of, of the business and learning how to do that for other people, learning that's something that is taught and uh, it's woven through the fabric of this business. Talk a little bit about Mark Lovis and Isaac Tolpin for a while. I'd love to be able to hear, well, you know, what were some of the ways that they really impacted your life? Well, Mark Lovis is just impressive. You know, I remember the way he spoke, how he could get you to feel inspired and want to stand up. You know, there's still many of his, his audios on the Vector Connect library that I'll still pop in and listen to every once in a while and it brings me back. He was a great speaker. He could really move the audience and, and when he'd tell stories, you were right there with him. And he also had the cool car, you know, he had the cool house. I remember going to a leadership academy up in the Seattle area. And afterwards, during the Christmas time, we, we got to go over to Mark's house. And, and uh, I was like, man, this guy's just, he's, you know, he's cool. He's got all the stuff. And he's like, he's like an inspirational guy. And I got to see Mark, I think, at his peak. And he was in the zone. Every speech he gave was on fire. Every one of these meetings, I felt like I was growing and learning and challenging myself. And uh, so to kind of be there on, at that time, uh, I felt like I was really getting getting the best knowledge, best learning, and, and seeing a great example of what you can do from the stage and, and how you can inspire people. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and I got kind of a different thing from Isaac. You know, Isaac, because he was my interviewer and he was uh, my trainer, and uh, I got to see Isaac in his first full year as a manager before any of the kids. He's had a large family now. But uh, his first child hadn't been born yet. Kelsey was born that later that fall, and I got to see Isaac, and it was it was really his work ethic and his character. I think in the beginning that was most impressive. I think those conversations when I was 18 years old and having somebody, a mentor like Isaac, who was helping shape my thinking when I would complain about something, kind of give me the other side. When I'd be upset, he would look for the what. What was the benefit here? What did we learn in these areas? And really at a young age helped shape my thinking because it's natural when you're young to just complain and be negative, like, oh, that sucks, this sucks. And, and Isaac would help shape that. So to have a mentor that I locked arms with that was kind of teaching me how to be a better person and how to think bigger and better about the things that happen in life and look for the opportunity and the obstacle, I thought was was so huge. And then Isaac, obviously, as you, you mentioned earlier, became a really good district manager, you know, the number one district team in the country that next year, and then went on to be the division manager a year or two later when Mark was promoted, and then to be the best division manager at that time in the country, and, and to be that dynamic speaker. That came through in Isaac as well, but it wasn't there in the beginning. He was a good speaker. He got us motivated and stuff, but not to the level of Mark Lovis. But to see Isaac ascend and uh, become that motivational speaker, like the, from the stage, uh, actually just literally got chills thinking about some of the messages that Isaac would talk about. Things that I still use to this day, like the idea of choosing growth in the moment and, and teaching my team that uh, we're always faced with challenges and we can choose to you know, take the easy road or we can choose to grow and choose growth and come up and, uh, and do what's needed in that moment. And those, I think, will echo in eternity, especially through Cutco, um, those messages, by the way, as, as the pandemic hit this year, like those are 
things that I dug back into the choose growth and the finding the answers. And my, my team, we talked about the 2020 vision at the end of 2019. Well, that became the 2020 revision here in 2020, where we, we got to revise how we thought about the year and what we could do. So those are all things that stem back from some of those early lessons from Isaac and, and everything. Yeah, it's really incredible to think about the fact that you got to work with Mark right as you started as a, he was your division manager. And then for most of your formative years, Isaac was your division manager. If we were to have a poll of you know who are the greatest division managers in the history of the Cutco Vector organization, there's probably a small handful that would be in the echelon of Mark and Isaac. And you could make a case that they are number one and number two in the all-time greatness of division managers. I mean, under Mark, the division won four consecutive national championships. And then under Isaac, the division was taken to heights never seen before or since in the history of the company, right? So it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing that you had a chance to observe that. What I also appreciate about what you got to see from Isaac was that as a district manager, he had his first child, Kelsey, and then they basically had another child about once every 18 months or so, right? He's got eight now, but uh, you saw his family build and build first as a district manager and then as a division manager. And you saw how someone could be a family man running a great business, yeah. right? Not just a businessman that happens to have a bunch of kids, right? Did you notice that distinction from Isaac uh, as you were observing him? Yeah, it, be it became more and more evident the longer I was around and, and the closer I worked with Isaac and, and the more polished he became as a leader and the more deliberate he became. And as he added and built his family, he had to be better with his time. You know, there was less that he could physically do maybe in the office, and, uh, but more that he could do through the leaders. So it was, it was cool to see because we, uh, my wife and I, we learned a lot and grew a lot through our relationship with Isaac and Angie. And I really looked at them for the way they lived and the way they, they led their family and also the way they led their business because Angie was, if Isaac was the president of the business, Angie was the vice president. She was right there with him. Isaac would, would drive the business, drive the sales, build the leaders, and Angie would come in and connect the people, make it mm. family. So they were such a dynamic team. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people realized how much Angie was involved in the building of what Norpac was, but it was huge. And I know that even to this day, my wife takes a lot of those same principles to help building our organization. And, uh, and she had such a great example with Angie. So, but thinking about Isaac and the way, you know, there was like a switch that he was able to flip, or maybe it was just like a dimmer. He was able to kind of throttle down and tone down when we go from the office, from this wrap up that he would give. And then we go to the family and he would engage with his kids and this calmness that came about. It's still something I try to do you know, now when I get home or, or I guess when I open the door to my home office now and it's like, okay, I've changed. I flipped the switch to the kids. And you became a father while being a district manager. In fact, really at the peak of your district manager career, you and Mai had Miley. And then not quite two years later, you guys had Braden. What were some of the challenges that you experienced initially in balancing work and family? 
Gosh, yeah. Balance is such a tricky thing, right? I think the first thing is time. When it's just you or it was just me and, and I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, the answer was just work more. Just do more. Work harder. Extend the day. And as I you know, got married and as I had kids, that couldn't be the default answer anymore. I mean, for short spurts, for bursts, you know, in our really busy times, you know, for us, that was late June or early July in a lot of cases in Oregon. For bursts, it could be okay. But as, as a default for the, you know, you, you gotta, it's got to be better than that. So I think the time thing was the, was the number one challenge. Guilt, there's something I, I think probably a lot of people can relate. But when, you're, when you lead people or when you manage people and you help people and you teach people, you know, when you're a coach or whatever, whatever the case may be, when you're kind of responsible to help others, there's always more you could do. There's always one more conversation. There's always a little bit more you could give. And when you're a father, there's always a little bit more time you could spend. So the guilt of wondering, am I doing enough uh, to get these managers ready for the next level? Am I doing enough to get these reps ready to are prepared in training? Am I doing enough to support my wife who's at home raising our children? Am I doing enough to bond with my kids and connect with them? That constant feeling that I might be letting someone down. And in some ways, you kind of have to accept that, yeah, you, you can't give every minute to every person all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think that was another really tough thing that I had to wrestle with. And, and as my life and roles have changed and family situations and, and have changed, that, uh, that continues to be something that, uh, that I have to think about and, and, and wrestle with and, and deal with. Yeah. You know, when I think about that point, Jeremy, I think that what ultimately wins with your people at work is when you are the kind of person that they want to become. And I don't think there's a district manager in the Oregon division right now who would say they want to be a person who works 15 hours a day, every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. But I do think every district manager in the Oregon division and probably in the entire Western region who knows you would say they would like to have your life, right? You have a really good life, at least that's the perception that we all have, right? Is that uh, you've got this thriving marriage and two great kids and, you know, a, a business that's doing well. And I think that uh, that when people see that, that's more of a long-term win. And so to me, that's one way of alleviating that sort of feeling of guilt because, yeah, there's always another phone call you can make to, help somebody in the business. There's always another meeting you can have with somebody to be able to drive things forward. But learning to create your boundaries that you you have between work and family, and then bringing your best during the time you have for work. Obviously, you want to do that. You want to bring your best during the time you have for work. But outside of that, I think people appreciate that you devote uh, your time to family when that's, when that's appropriate. So, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about some more of the keys to how you make it all work because uh, you seem like you've had it working pretty well most of the time over these last uh, 13, 14 years since you got married and started having kids. And What do you think are some of the things that, uh, that help make it work? Locking arms with some of the great people that I've had a chance to work with. As I have built a family and focused more on them, it was more important that I, I had key people and that I liked, that I respected, that I trusted around me. So I really invested a lot of time 
into some of the great people that I was working with at that time, being better at scheduling, trying to, uh, to put things in and do as much as possible in that time frame, and uh, holding to those standards, which is obviously a constant struggle as things change, as different seasons, as we change things. But uh, it's always a work in progress. But I think locking arms with great people, creating and sticking to the schedule, involving some of those key people and bringing them around your family. And my office manager now, Izzy Bauer, is such a great person to have around and gets along great with my kids and my wife. And I can think a lot of other assistants and office managers and DMs in the past. And it's the same kind of thing, but we're working with people we truly enjoy working with. So having them around is nice. You know, it's not every day. It's, you know, but here and there. There can be some really healthy crossover in our business where our people are around our home environment. They're invited to dinner. They're around our family. You're modeling for Izzy how to live, not just how to be a good manager and vector, but how to live. And, uh, you know, she's getting a lot of value, I'm sure, from seeing that. How about at home? What makes things work better at home for you? Well, finding a way to to slow it down, to, to flip the switch off in some events when we were driving home from the office. I think I heard from Greg Strine when we had a, an event with a bunch of DVMs. You know, he would, there's a time where he would, a place where you'd pass and you just turn the phone off. That's the last phone call he would take right there. And so I started implementing it. And uh, if I wasn't done with the phone call, I'd, I'd sit in that parking lot for a minute finish that phone call. So I got to the house because many times I get to the house, the kids are at the car, even now, right. you know, if it's a nice day outside, if I, and, and it's, and it's still light out and I get to the house, you know, when I'm driving back and forth to the office, the kids are at the car. And if I'm on the phone and I have to give them the hold on one second, they're sitting there waiting by the, by the open car door or bouncing a basketball or something by the car door. So like learning, learning how to, to shut it down, even if I'm going to go home and work a little bit more, but to be able to not have anything besides focus on my family while I enter the house, say hello. One of my favorite things as my kids were able to kind of move or walk on their own was coming home and them running to give me a hug. And it still happens uh, now. My kids are a little older, so it's not as consistent. But my nieces and nephews are over a lot still, so I still get those running hugs when I get home. So that's pretty nice. So trying to be off the phone, I think has been a huge one. Uh, trying to tone down the energy. You know, if I just came from giving all the answers, doing this wrap up, giving advice, talking, finding solutions, doing all these things, and I get home and I'm like, I know how to do this. This hasn't been done. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. Let's get this done. That energy doesn't necessarily match what my wife and kids need at that moment. You know, sometimes that energy is pretty intense. And just listening is more helpful than telling my wife how to solve all the challenges and problems she's had for the day with the kids. Mm. So that's uh, being able to dial the intensity down. And that's, and I also think that's why the last you know few minutes of your drive or five, 10 minutes or however long you need to kind of bring it down a little bit and be ready for the children, be ready for your wife when you get in the door. For me, that's, that's something that's helped out. If I had a challenging day or I was really working with some people that were going through some stuff and I had to help them, you know, taking a deep breath, getting a little quiet time. And then when I pull up to the house, being able to flip that switch from the office to the dad, to the husband, been a pretty good, pretty good help. Yeah. A lot of good stuff in that part, Jeremy. Going back to 
you kind of covered the business side first, the home side second. I made a note that having family makes it more important to have development, right? If you want to be able to build a nice lifestyle in any business, it's especially in ours, it's more important to be able to, it's crucial to be able to have other people around you that can spread out the workload. And I think about as Isaac was growing as a DVM, for example, I know that you and several other of the key district managers there, you guys were running events for the division. You guys were like doing things that was helping spread out the workload of, of a division manager, but also that was developing you at the same time. It was preparing you for success. And so being able to have those people around you, whatever role you're in is key. And, and what you translated that into is that time with key people is critical, right? Investing time in the right people who you're building something with is key. There's an expression I've heard that there's people who we get business from and there's people who we build the business with. And you have to very quickly be able to decipher who those are under your guidance and make sure that you're investing the vast majority of your time in the people who you're building the business with, who are going to be there with you for one, two, three, five years or more, right? That you're helping to develop. Getting time with them, making that a priority in your schedule is critical. And then for home, the idea of boundaries that you described, that's my word. I don't know that you use that particular word, but I just made that note here, boundaries, an example of that is when you're driving home, right? I've heard the same exact thing from Greg Strine, one of our all-time top division managers, where he described how there was a point where he would make sure he, would, he didn't drive past that point if he was still on the phone. And wherever that is for you, it might be down your street or it might be a mile away, but wherever that is for you, if you're still on the phone, you stop and you finish that call. And then you finish off the last 30 seconds or five minutes or whatever it is to get home. There's nothing worse than when you get home and your kids are outside eager to see you and you're on the phone and you're giving them the finger like, you know, wait, hold on, you know, and they're all excited to come talk to you. Right. So I think that's a simple, actionable idea that anyone listening can implement. And if you're working at home, it's important to create a domain at your home that's your work domain and that everybody knows is your work domain and then get out of that domain when you're not working and leave your work in that domain. Like I've been making a concerted effort to always leave my laptop in my home office. It never gets into the main part of the house for me. And that keeps me from being tempted to like pick it up or do something that's work related, you know, that after I'm done with work, that has helped me a little bit, uh, as well, it, you know, if it if it's not done by whatever time five or six o'clock you're done with work, it can usually wait until the next morning. And I've tried to abide by that. And if something is that important, I go out to my home office and I go finish it and then I go back in. But I don't bring the work into the house around the kids. I've tried to abide by that. That's helpful. The whole idea of just slowing down that you described, right? When you're in the home domain, I thought that was really good. I love this subject, and I think Jeremy is a great person to talk about this stuff. The best is yet to come as Jeremy talks about his wife and kids and a serious health challenge that affected his family. I want to thank my friends at Organifi for sponsoring this podcast. Organifi is the Cutco of superfood blends. I was introduced to Organifi's green juice blend a few years ago. 
Organifi uses the highest quality plant-based ingredients, and it's easy to use. You just mix a couple spoonfuls with water or your favorite beverage. You don't even need a blender. For about two to three bucks per day, you can get your day started with a great-tasting, nutritious green juice containing 11 superfoods like moringa, spirulina, beets, turmeric, and other all-natural organic ingredients. You can check out Organifi's green juice along with their full line of their products at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. You get 15% off everything that they carry by using the discount code CLSK. Those are the initials for changing lives, selling knives. I'm excited to bring on some sponsors that sell things I believe in and would use myself and that are of Cutco quality. Try out something from Organifi today and enter CLSK when you check out to get that discount on anything you order. Again, go to Organifi.com. Now, let's get back to the most compelling part of Jeremy Bell's story and lessons. Let's talk about my a little bit. I'd love to hear uh, what you have to say about your wife and, um, and also if you're willing to talk about the uh, serious health scare that you guys have have had and how uh, how this affected you sure yeah so yeah my and i've been uh, married since 2007 and uh she's been just a really great partner to have in uh in life and the business she's really helped create that family feel that uh that i've enjoyed working around we went down to sacramento where the dv uh, was dvm down there for a while and and we had some great relationships. We loved uh, Northern California. We loved the people we worked with, you know, Jamison Jones and, and his wife, Kristen, and several other managers down there. And so we said, well, you know, everything's great right now. Our health is great. Our family's great. But if anything happened with us or our family, we'd, we'd want to be back in Oregon with our parents and our siblings. On April of that year, we moved back. A few months after moving back up, she was hospitalized with... Uh, ketoacidosis, diabetic ketoacidosis. So she became stage one diabetic late onset, which is very rare uh, or pretty rare, it seemed. And so she was hospitalized for a few days and was very sick. Um, and that was kind of a, a, a wake up. Uh, about three years later in, in September of 2016, she was hit with a little uh, bigger scare. And it was uh, uh, stage two breast cancer, like invasive ductile carcinoma, I think might have been the technical term there. And that was pretty scary. That word, cancer, is, uh, is really scary. And you know, I remember getting the news. We weren't, weren't supposed to get the news for another week on the tests. And she got it the next day. And I actually was out of town. So hearing that news, and I was with a lot of uh, friends and, and vector friends. We were uh, celebrating John Ross Nofuente and his, uh, his bachelor party. And we were, we were having a good time and got the news and, and uh, changed my flight, came home right away. And my wife's response was is impressive. Obviously, she was sad. You know, she, it was obvious, but uh, it was also obvious that she was going to try to find the positive or or the silver lining and, and everything. So it was interesting. One of the first things, right? She's you know, if you know my wife, you know she loves uh, hair and makeup. You know, she's a licensed cosmetologist, and so her hair, she loves to do her hair, loves to change her hair color, and uh, do all kinds of things. And, and so the idea of her hair being taken away was a really scary thing. And that was one of the first hurdles that she had to face. And uh, so we went and she went to her favorite stylist and, and she got a haircut that she'd always wanted where they shaved the sides and did something really edgy. 
And so it was, it was more of a fun thing. And I thought that was kind of cool. And then after her first chemo treatment, uh, she had to go through six rounds of chemo every three weeks for 18 weeks. There were six rounds and they were basically, it was hours, four or five hours uh, we'd go through. And after that first one, you could see the little hair starting to, to fall out. And that was, that was pretty, pretty challenging for her and me to see her go through that and not be able to do anything. I think uh, as a husband um, or a father, when you're seeing you know, your wife or your kids go through something and you cannot change, fix anything with a problem, that's really tough. But uh, we had a, this is just like my wife, we had a party. And everybody took turns shaving a piece of her head. And it was like a head shaving party because she wanted to take ownership over the process. Instead of letting it fall out, she wanted to take ownership over it. And she got to do, to do another fun hairstyle that she had never tried before. And I think the kids, uh, they knew what was going on. They're, 12, uh, they're almost 13. My daughter will be 13 next week. My son's 11. And uh, so it's a few years ago, so they're a little younger, but they, they got it. They could understand that it was, uh, it was scary. We were open with them. We were honest. We were optimistic, obviously. They knew something that was, was, uh, was not good. For me, it was like, okay, be there for my wife, but also set the example for my children, like how to be when tough things happen and, and how to be there for mom. And we would have conversations where Mai would go in and you know, she had a port installed so they could direct the chemo straight into her body without pricking her every time. And so it was a port installed in that small surgery. And then, then the chemo came and, and uh, the first round wasn't, wasn't that bad. She was a little fatigued, but as the chemo started to build up in her body and seeing her on the bed for hours and hours and hours and days at a time sometimes was, was really tough. I think especially on my my daughter, Miley, the oldest, um, who's very in tune with mom. She knows, and my son is too, but it's just a different level with Miley. And to see her kind of mature and almost become a little bit uh, more aware in that moment was, was, uh, was cool to see. But it was, it was a pretty tough time. How has it turned out? It's good. She had five surgeries with reconstruction, removing the you know lumps and the mastectomy and a lot of different stuff. And it was uh, kind of a tough year or two there, but uh, cancer-free as of now. And she's healthy. My kids are healthy. And uh, we don't frequently talk about when, when mama's sick, how that makes them feel, but the, the conversation is there. The pictures are up. It's there. And I think that's a time where we could have shrunk and, and just been with the darkness and been with the sadness. We, we continue to bring people in. We've worked so hard of just building a community over the last several years or the several years before that. And a lot of those people came out of the woodwork to help and, and to, to be there to support. And it's kind of a cool thing. Sometimes you don't realize when you're investing in people and in relationships and, and just making great connections, you don't realize that those will pay you back later. And when you may need something, encouragement or uh, just someone to talk to, that uh, when you invest in people, a lot of times those people will, will return the favor. So yeah, um, yeah, a lot of strong relationships came out of it. For sure, for sure. It was definitely interesting to be observing that from from my perspective and to have seen like all of the support that came out for you and for my, and I also... I'm sure that you had nine years of practicing 
balancing family challenges with working and trying to, you know, spin all the plates before going through that very difficult stretch. And uh, I'm sure that that at least had some, some uh, role in helping to prepare you for the difficulty that you had there. And that uh, I also just love what you described about how my found ways to have fun with it, the head shaving party and the edgy haircut and all those things that she did. I remember when we, our division manager team all painted our hair pink for a division manager meeting dinner with a with all of our wives at at that event and we did find ways to make it fun it was cool to hear that you know my really drove that spirit of making it fun and that you know i'm sure that her the attitude that she developed over her years uh before that was a big part of helping her to go through that challenge a little bit better than it otherwise might have been so it's cool tell us about uh miley and brayden and uh, your relationship with them. They're awesome. They really are. They're, uh, I second that. You have very cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's, uh, it's, it's just cool to think about who they're becoming. And my daughter's turning 13 next week and still having a relationship with her and being able to talk with her and hang out with her. And we have family dinners multiple times a week and we had family game night the other night. And uh, having these fun interactions. I've got to help coach my son, Braden's uh, baseball team. And I think there's so many lessons there and, and there's so many things we teach in sales and reps about persistence and on all this stuff and mindset and belief. And then uh, I was coaching his baseball team. and I, Some of the same things came out when there'd be a pitcher that was you know thrown a little bit faster than the other pitcher. And, and uh, you know, just talking about going out there and believing and trying and and having those conversations with this team and, and with my son. And it's not just a one conversation. I think that's something that you think I'm going to say the, the best thing ever in this one time, I'll say it and it's going to be, it's going to be perfect and they'll understand. And uh, while they hear it, they kind of need to hear it multiple times and it's going to need to be there with them, whether it's sports or life and how you talk to your sister, how do you talk to mom and, and how we deal with our, you know, for my son, how we deal with our feelings and our anger when we get it, dealing with winning, how to win, and also how to lose in sports and family game nights, actually. <laughs> I think one of the first, some of the first lessons on how to lose right, that I, my son was able to experience were through some family game nights uh, when you don't always win. And uh, that doesn't mean we, we get rid of the game or throw the game. <laughs> uh, and now he gets it he's like oh it's about trying to make every, everybody enjoy it we're trying to have fun yeah we're having competitive we're trying but it's involving everybody and then uh watching miley and you know it's starting to teach them golf a little bit here and there watching her doing her dance performances and, and she's a perfectionist she just tries so hard to do everything exactly right from doing a bunch of different hairstyles and things that, that uh, she learned from mom or uh when we do some talking about golf and their golf swing. And I teach her something once or twice and kind of show her. And then she replicating that and uh, just being super coachable. It's so interesting how different they are and, but how similar they are as well. And uh, Mm -hmm. seeing our own similarities, our own imperfections, if we get frustrated in the words we use and uh, very similar to the words they may use. And it's been the, the best learning experience of my life. I think having children, and you can become much more, oh, ideally, I think, that we can become much more selfless. I was 21, you know, when I was 22, first met Mai, and I, 
maybe it's more about me and then, then it's about us and then about us and the kids. And I think the kids see us, you know, go on date nights periodically. They see every morning for about an hour, Maya and I sit uh, downstairs in our living room and we kind of look out the window and we have our coffee and we chat for about an hour about about life, about any projects we have around the house, about the kids and things that they're doing, uh, about schedule, what we want for the weekend. Uh, this time of year, it's getting kind of cold, so we do it inside. Sometimes in the summer, we'll do it on the front porch, and the chairs out there, and uh, we're waving at the neighbors. And it's kind of fun to see, it. and it's one of the one of our highlights of every day. And then our kids start, you know, they wake up a little bit later and they sit down there with us too, and kind of talk about their days before they start the the Zoom school that's going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, how's that been this year? My kids love people. I think just as much as I do, as much as my wife does. And so um, Zoom school is not as cool as normal school. A lot of parallels for sure yeah. to how we, how we operate now. And, and the, the idea that it works, and there are a lot of things that work about it, but there's also a dynamic of in-person influence that is missing that I think it's important for us to recapture both with the school education and, and of course, in our, in our Vector Cutco business. Let's bring this full circle back to your Vector Cutco business uh, here before we wrap up. And just interested to hear about uh, your view of the future and just what opportunities you see in the business right now as it's evolved. This has been just extremely exciting to see our business evolve. On working with me, I'm always putting out sometimes crazy, far-fetched ideas about how we can operate and I feel like this pandemic has forced many of those things or similar ideas to be the way we do things. So it's been really exciting, challenging, a lot of work, obviously, transitioning and figuring things out. But for the opportunities, it's just collaboration at a whole new level. Great ideas and programs being implemented and shared faster than ever before. There's not this lag where we have to wait to this one great event every year to where we get the good ideas. It's like, uh, you know, if I hear somebody is doing something great, one of my buddies, Evan Keller down in South Coast, I'm like, what are you doing? Send me that thing. I want to check it out. And it's 30 seconds later, I've got a link and I'm watching him on YouTube run an event. I'm able to grab a couple of great ideas and bring those into to my business or a lot of the other great DVMs in our region or, or outside of our region. So the ability for offices, divisions, and regions to kind of group up and, and learn from best like never before is so exciting. Finding ways to streamline meetings. We shaved off a little time at some of the meetings and, and trying to give as much content as possible in uh, the most efficient way and, and figuring those things out has been really exciting. And, and reps and managers really able to design the business and the position based on exactly what their strengths are, exactly when they want to operate, how they want to operate and how much they want to travel, right? This thing that I've been teaching my, uh, my, my division and speaking about and trying to remind myself of is love the mobility of my role. Just loving the mobility of, of our roles, I think is such a, it's such a great mind flip, right? That, oh, I have to do this. No, I get to do that. I get to design it. If, if I like to work early in the morning, get up, hammer out all my admin stuff, all my, all my planning stuff, all my prep stuff, and then do all the people stuff right after that, right? Or if I, if I don't like to wake up early, I can, you know, I can do this. And it takes a little bit more designing now because it's different. But once managers and reps, they, they take the time to design it, they get to have the exact <laughs> business framework lifestyle that they want. 
all they got to do is follow through on the key result areas. I mean, we can talk about that, but it's like they get to design it however they want. So so yeah. exciting right now. Exactly. Yep. That's awesome. And as you look uh, into the future, Jeremy, how do you aspire to change people's lives through, through your influence on them? I think connection is such an important thing right now. And every meeting we do, every interview, every one-on-one with reps, every phone call, we are connecting, we are modeling how to connect, and we are teaching how to connect. And the world can be kind of disconnected right now. And we're, we're modeling and teaching exactly how to connect with people, how to build a community, how to build others, and how to build this network, which you don't always know why we're building it. And for me, we built it. We have this great framework and this great family and great structure. And then we went through some challenges and being able to lean on some of those people was huge. And so teaching people how to connect right now face-to-face or digitally is so important. And I think it's missing in a lot of places. And the fact that that's one of our key areas that we work on and teach every single day in Vector is huge. And also teaching people how to be good finders. The world needs more people to look for the opportunity in every challenge as opposed to the challenge in every opportunity. And I think that's a huge thing that we do in the Oregon division. I think it's a huge thing we do in the Western region and, and all throughout Vector Marketing is look for the opportunity in every challenge. And uh, I think we nailed it this year throughout the pandemic. We've done a great job as a company at finding a way through and, and making it better. Yep. Well, you, you've certainly been uh, at the forefront of that, uh, the transformation of the, your division throughout this year has been really great to see. And you've got uh, amazing people on board with you now and lots of them. And it's cool to see where, where things are headed in the future. There was something that, uh, we talked about earlier today, which was uh, being the kind of person others would want to become. And uh, just want to end on that note, Jeremy, that uh, that's one of the ways I really view you and why I think it's so beneficial for so many people who work with you or around you or get exposed to you is they're seeing a vision of the kind of person that they would want to be. Somebody who is a family man with a great life who also happens to run a business that does well. And I think that if uh, anybody was given a choice about the, the future that they could have, they would pick a future like yours, uh, like you have right now. And I think that uh, says a lot about you and it's pretty powerful. And so just want to say thanks for your influence and uh, thanks for being willing to share your stories and concepts here on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. All right. Jeremy Bell, everyone, one of the most widely respected people uh, that I've had a chance to work with over my years in the Cutco Vector business. He talked about, in the early days, being exposed to the concept of trying to be a better person, right? And it is through our own growth that we attract better circumstances in our lives. If you want things in your life to be better, the answer is for you to get better. One of the ways Jeremy described that was the idea of being inclusive and making everybody feel a part of something. The idea of how we make people feel to me is one of the most integral keys to building a great organization, to being a great leader, to having a powerful influence on others and just living a good life and being happy. Jeremy is certainly is an expert in that area. His exposure to Mark Lovis, Isaac Tolpin, that was really cool to hear 
all the things he had a chance to observe in both of those people, really, really powerful. Balancing family and work, where Jeremy talked about the idea of slowing down when you're out of the work mode, getting yourself into a family mode, trying not to let those things cross over too much. When there's crossover, it's intentional crossover. Like you're having a dinner with people from work where you're inviting them into your world. Or if there's a particular day where you feel like you have to work while you're around family, you're letting your family know, hey, would you like to see a little bit of what I do today? All right, because we're going to have some hangout time, but because this is a particularly busy day, I'm going to answer my phone now and then. I'm going to be able to talk to some of the people I work with, and you'll have a chance to see that and get a feel for that. And you're kind of bringing them into that world occasionally. But for the most part, being able to create those boundaries between those two things is important. The time you spend investing in relationships and how key that is. Jeremy talked about that. The evolution of going from life's about me to life's about us to life's about us and the kids, us collectively. That evolution is something that many of you will go through or have gone through and can relate to. And you realize how rewarding it is when life is about more than just you. Life is about connecting, Jeremy said, toward the end. We're modeling connection. We are teaching connection. Uh, Those are all some of the great things that Jeremy does and has continued to do for so many people over the years. Hey, Jeremy referenced Isaac Tolpin. He was featured Changing Lives podcast episode 46. Check that one out if you haven't already done so. Mark Lovis is highly likely to be a guest in the very near future here. Uh, So you'll have a chance to hear a long-awaited episode with the legendary Mark Lovis coming up. Make sure you've subscribed to the podcast so you get all the episodes right away. Please share the podcast with others. Rate or review us on your podcast player. I appreciate the support. Hope you enjoyed getting to know Jeremy Bell today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.